Hello, I'm Nick Holland for Information Security Media Group. If you've been to any cybersecurity conference, or indeed any conference this year, blockchain is likely to have been a topic of discussion. Growing beyond its initial incarnation as the enabling technology behind virtual currencies such as Bitcoin, the concept of a distributed and immutable ledger is finding new applications across many industries. Today, I'm talking with Aviva Lightan, a Vice President and Distinguished Analyst at Gartner Research, about the role of blockchain in identity management. Hi, Aviva. Hi, Nick. How are you today? Very good. Thank you. So <laughs> let's get started with some of the questions I have here. So we were both recently at the RSA conference, and clearly blockchain came up a lot there. So there's, there's a lot of blockchain hype right now. There's countless science projects that haven't made it to fruition. Is there any serious viability of the technology being used in identity management? Yes, Nick, I think there is. I think identity is one of the use cases that blockchain can very much help address. And we're already starting to see some innovative projects there. There is certainly a lot of hype in blockchain and the technology is still pretty immature, especially for enterprise use. Uh, but the reason there's so much hype is there is a glimmer of truth to all this, that it can solve problems other technologies can't solve as readily or easily. So uh, identity is one of those problems. The issue with identity management, when you think about it, is how do you know how you're going to trust this person that's trying to gain access to your system? Blockchain is, it allows people who don't trust each other to work together. Uh, and this is a perfect application. Identity management makes sense on the blockchain. And there are some early pilots, although there's still a lot of challenges ahead to make this enterprise ready. So can you talk about some recent examples of blockchain being applied in the real world to manage identity? Yes, there are some projects I can talk about. The project that, to me, sounds the most exciting and promising has to do with Syrian refugees or refugees from any country who, when you think about it, they lose their identity when they're a refugee. Their records are destroyed. Their documents are destroyed. Even if they manage to take some documents out, uh, there's very you know, large skepticism about the validity of those documents. So people that have to flee their native countries don't have identities, and that puts them at a big disadvantage when they go to a new country because no one knows who they are. Are they a criminal? How do you vet this individual? All the records are gone. So I came across a project with a Jordanian refugee camp where the United Nations World Food Program is actually creating identities for Syrian refugees that come into this camp in Jordan. Uh, and so they set them up with an identity on the blockchain. And over time, that identity becomes more valid because the refugees start shopping with that identity at the food stores. So the United Nations World Food Program disperses almost one and a half billion a year in food assistance across multiple countries to, I think it's about 80 million individuals last year. Um, and as you know, when that money gets dispersed, there, there is a talk that about 30% of it ends up going to the wrong hands. It doesn't go to the victims that need it. It goes to middlemen that take it. Uh, also, people have to spend the assistance program, spend a lot of money in fees and bank fees. So there was this successful project set up 
called building blocks in the refugee camp that disperses money directly to the victims. Uh, it does it by having the victims, or actually the refugees, go grocery shopping, and they validate their identity through biometrics, so they register their biometrics, and then the food store submits their bill to the UN for each of these refugees, and then the UN pays back the food stores. So over time, the hope is, and the, the goal of this project is that this individual now, the refugee, will have an identity record um, and they will know that they've been in the camp for a while, they have the transaction history, they have a government ID that was issued when they arrived with a biometric attached to it, and now they can start getting access to financial accounts, getting loans, because the system and the providers know, yeah, this refugee is a good person. They've been around for a while. They've been shopping for food. They haven't made any problems. And we're going to give this person now a bank account. So that's the idea. And the first phase is already working, where the assistance is dispersed directly to the victim after they shop at the store. There's other projects as well. So there's a, a startup in Finland called Moni, M-O-N-I. Uh, that's a blockchain startup. And since 2015, they've been working with the Finnish Immigration Service, and they give every refugee in their country a prepaid MasterCard. And that's backed by their digital identity number, which is stored on the blockchain. So even without a passport required to open a Finnish bank account, this Moni account lets the refugees receive benefits directly from the government. It's just like what I described in the Syrian refugee camp. And so now over time, these refugees can get loans from people who know and can trust them because they've got this history and they start building up more credit history. So that's a second project. A third project uh, there's many of them in the private sector, and if you go search for Ernst & Young projects, for example, you'll see they're working with healthcare companies to build this kind of blockchain identity system. So let's say, Nick, you decide you create a, a blockchain identity for yourself. That's called the self-provisioned identity. Now you go to the doctor, and while you're at the doctor, doctor's receptionist asks you for your driver's license and insurance card when you check in, and that person will validate your identity against those documents and then update your record on the blockchain to say, yes, this was Nick, I validated his identity, and uh, that will lower your risk score, increase what we call your assurance score. Now you go to the pharmacy after you leave the doctor to get your prescription filled, and the same process will happen at the pharmacist. And then the pharmacist will update your blockchain identity to say, yeah, this was Nick. I vetted him and uh, he got his prescription. Then you'll file your claim for the doctor visit and the prescription fulfillment with your insurance company, and they'll do the same thing. And over time, your identity will become more trustworthy. And in the future, companies won't have to go through that paper document vetting process because they'll trust that you're really Nick. So that's another example of a real live project that's happening in the private sector. 
think those are fascinating, actually, Aviva. I, I think, um, I mean, th that it's actually happening is, is exciting. Uh, but what, one question, though, in terms of this concept of federated identity, how, how do you stop that being contaminated by bad information? Well, there's a lot of loopholes here or, or problems, as you are indicating indirectly with your question. <laughs> So when you went to the doctor and showed the doctor your driver's license, how do we know that that was really you and it wasn't someone with some counterfeit driver's license? And you know, how are we going to train the receptionist at the doctor's office to do the proper betting? So that's a perfect example. That's one issue. Another issue is who is in control of the blockchain. There are public blockchains like Bitcoin, for example, where no one's in control. And so there was something called consensus algorithms, which validate transactions and it's distributed. So there's no one party that can take control and the integrity is maintained. Private blockchains, there are people that take control. There are entities. So that's another avenue for, so not only the vetting process of your identity, but who allows the members in? Who's in charge of that blockchain? If you have a central authority, that central authority can write transactions to the blockchain. Uh, they can undo, well, they can't undo history because history is, is immutable in blockchains, but they can rewrite it. They, they can put new transactions in that make things look different. So in a private blockchain model, you're almost at the mercy of the, of the governance and who controls the blockchain. So there are things that have to be sorted out. Like, you know, I personally, I think identity has to be on a public blockchain because we can't really trust these third parties. And the vetting is not up to speed. I mean, there that's where you get zero proof of work uh, algorithms that come into play so that the doctor's office would have a set process that they have to use to verify your identity, they'd have to have copies of those documents. Those would be hashed and the documents would stay with the doctor, but they would have to follow certain agreed upon protocols within an industry before they vetted an identity with you know, certainty. So you know, there, there are solutions to these problems, but they're gonna take a long time to sort out. The other issue is a much simpler issue to understand once your identity is set up, how are you going to authenticate? So now let's say you use a biometric or you use a password. We all know from working in the banking industry that there's something called man-in-the-middle attacks and credential takeover. So what are the blockchain companies going to do about that? What happens if you're, you use your phone to authenticate and you lose your phone? How do you prove your identity after that? What if someone steals your phone? So all the same authentication issues that we see in today's world will still exist on the blockchain. In short, it is, there's no real silver bullet here. I mean, it, blockchain isn't the silver bullet, but it is. it has attributes that are very compelling in terms of it being immutable. And again, as you mentioned, if it's public blockchain, then it, it's, it's a lot harder for that to be tampered with. Yeah, the way I like to think of blockchain value at the high level is it cuts out middlemen. It should cut out middlemen. That's right. why public blockchain does that. And it allows people that don't trust each other to work together. So if you keep that in mind when you're looking at these use cases, 
they start to make sense. So let's talk a little bit about um, putting identity ownership back in the hands of the individual. I mean, clearly with Cambridge Analytica recently and uh, GDPR, there's it seems like you know, the tide is turning a little bit in terms of who owns your identity. Mm-hmm. Is blockchain going to enable us to regain self-sovereign identity? Is, is, it, is it a way that we can get back to re- regaining our privacy if needed? Yeah, it it is indirectly and directly. So if you think about what happened with Cambridge Analytica and Facebook and Google, they own our data, right? They own my they know everything I've done, they keep it in their database and they sell it to advertisers. The blockchain map model gets rid of those middlemen. Now I own my own identity. This is how it's supposed to work and it does enable this. I own my identity, my records are my records, they're stored with me, and I release my identity in the form of a hash, not in the form of my data. So when I go to the doctor in the future, after my identity is established, I don't have to bring any documentation, I just have that hash or any digital representation of my identity, and all the data stays with me, and there's no reason for anyone to see any of it unless there's a business purpose. So, yeah, um, that's what blockchain's all about. And, and the second exciting use cases I find are the ones that most directly disintermediate Facebook and Google. Not that I have anything against them. Uh, you know, I use Google all the time. But blockchain is a distributed ledger technology that cuts out the middlemen. And I think if we look 10 years from now, when this is all mature, Google and Facebook won't have anywhere near the power they have today because things will start decentralizing. Thanks, Aviva. So that, that was Aviva Lytan, who is a vice president and distinguished analyst at Ghana Research. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Nick Holland.